good. I used to, and I try not to make decisions out of fear. Oh, that's prophetic. Not making decisions out of fear. Gotta kind of put that in my brain. Well, <coughs> I went through a lot, so I, I do have post-traumatic stress oh. uh, disorder. Actually, it's CPD, <laughs> CPTSD, which is complex post-traumatic stress. Um, if you would have met me before I did comedy, I would um, have been riddled with a lot of symptoms, mm. and I would have had tremendous social anxiety. Um, working was a huge coping mechanism for me, and so I just was doing the Bay Area uh, two jobs and just coming home all the time. Yeah, just work, 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 because yeah. you throw yourself into something, and then you don't necessarily have to think about yourself if you're focusing on external right. projects like a job, jobs. But um, comedy has really helped me recover my life and minimize my uh, symptoms without, um, and I've, I've done some therapy and a lot of research and about the origin of where I've gotten this PTSD and stuff. Um, but it was really when I decided that I was gonna chase my happiness, uh, you know, and it was really a desperate, depressive time when I started comedy. Um, but then it became like this beautiful, beautiful thing that it was just every time I get on the mic, I felt like that was like a, a visual cue for me for my life being reclaimed. All right. And you have a you have a thing coming up. You have comedy church that you're running. What's going on? Oh, it is true. Um, well, it turns out you don't have to register with the state to start a church. Whoa. So I've started a church. It's called Vicarious Traumas um, Church of Comedy. Vicarious Traumas Church of Comedy. Yes. Can people find you online? Um, the online presence is going to kick off April Fool's. Fantastic. And it's not an April Fool's. It's real. That's what they yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's really, a, it's like a faith thing. Sure. It's like whatever you believe. <laughs> so are you going to have speakers that are going to be comedians? Oh, ab I, w I mean, I hope so. Um, absolutely. I have a number of people that are interested in contributing to content. And I want to hear people's stories because when I talk to them privately, comedy has changed a lot of people's lives yeah. for the better. And yeah. it's really helped them. And um you know, there's like a redemption that happens when you have a good set and that feeling of identity when people are surrounding you laughing, but in a good way. Sure. I mean, that's really rewarding. They're not laughing at me, they're laughing with me because and because I've I've somehow cultivated that impetus. It's not that like they're laughing at me because I'm stupid or did something weird. It's me asking for the attention and then them reciprocating. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's important. Well, when I started comedy, I, I did. How many years ago did you start? <laughs> I started uh, last summer. Oh, okay. So, so I'm, not even I'm on my eighth month, I think. All right. But I was doing 26 open mics a month and traveling three to four towns a week. Wow, okay. So, whereas, um, uh, and I actually started in Reno like oh seven years, seven or eight years ago. Wow. But just a couple, a couple times. You know John Gallagher from back there in the day? Sounds very familiar. John Gallagher lives here now. No way. Yeah, but he came from, he came from Reno. He's a great comic. He um, used to run the Tuesday night at OMG. I don't think he does anymore, but he's around Mutiny Radio quite a bit. He's a great comic. Really, really funny. And he's from, uh, Reno? he's from Reno. Yeah. Years and years ago. So you might have known him from that scene. Well, I'm sure I've seen him. 
So a lot has changed. There is when I when when I was doing comedy, it was a place called the Waterfall, and now it's called the Library, oh. um, which is just a funny name for a bar. Yeah, I go to the library. I like the when they call a bar the office, so that <laughs> um, so that men or anybody can say, "Oh, I'm late at the I'm staying late at the office," and it's so true. And it sounds it's so true, and it sounds yeah. Staying late at the office. So I. I had started a long time ago, however, um, I went through um, a domestic violence situation. Mm -hmm. I was actually a um, criminal justice major, and before I had entered into this relationship, so shortly after my seven years of being single, I had just met the wrong one, and I was completely naive. Oh. So um, After seven years of celibacy, you found this person, you threw yourself into a marriage. <laughs> well, he was losing his spot, and I said, well, I have a four-bedroom, two-bath. Come stay with me. Oh. And then when it wasn't working out, I was like, you know what? We can still date, but this isn't really working out. And that's when kind of things took a turn for the horrific. Oh and I will no. say horrific. Yeah. So um, I know, but the great thing is, is that I survived. You were still providing him a place to live? Oh, no. I just left my apartment, like surrendered the apartment, left what? my apartment, drove to California. Wow. It was very serious. Wow. Yeah. So I had broken bones over it. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Wow. That's – and so you just said, I'm out of here. Is, um, yeah. Uh, but it was so much harder did you, than did that. You try to yes. Good. But here's the thing. Ooh. It is. It was so much harder than I thought to leave, and part of that was because what people – can't really well a lot of people don't understand that when people commit um, violence against you especially repeatedly and viciously um, that the victim's brain re rewires to a primal state mm. and where it's fight flight freeze or fawn which are the survival mechanisms and so um, your mind is working against you it's it was very um, what is that called um, Munchausen, Stock Stockholm, Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Munch, uh, Munchausen by proxy is when you poison the other person because you are you oh like to yeah. take care of them. Yeah, that's different. But um, so you know, I've and and there's definite truth and uh, wisdom in like the cycle of violence and everything, and you have to check your own codependency and your ideas on relationships and things like that. But truly, this guy was like a suspected murderer. Like this wow. guy was next level. So, charming. But charming. But so you, you jumped ship. Oh, Good. yeah. And it was a, the best decision I'd ever made. But, um, you know, usually when I jump ship for anything, it's like a great decision. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was completely unplanned. And um, I went through, I had to like kind of put my brain back together. And sure. it definitely took some time. The verdict's still out if it happened. But I, I'm very pleased with the results. Yeah, so that makes sense, especially extricating yourself from a relationship and then trying to figure out, am I myself without this relationship? What is it? There's an intimacy that occurs during violence, mm -hmm. you know, and abuse. And and it's funny, like, y you wouldn't think, like, childhood trauma actually manifests itself in your adult relationships right. and things like that. But it also, um, it's it was just really... 
it took a lot of hard work and I'm just really thankful that I've always been really self-analytical so it really helped helped with my recovery yeah so I'm not into douchebags nothing like that oh I love guys who've been to jail I have like a total fetish for guys who've been to jail it's weird all right yeah I know (laughs) all right I like bad boys Oh, I know, I know. On occasion, yeah. on occasion, I might dabble. Yeah. But um, yeah, very consciously aware. I'm terrible. The, the people I'm attracted to are like drug addicts, alcoholics, people who've been to jail, people with like severe baggage. Well, like I like that because it somehow gives me the opportunity to be the savior, perhaps, right. and to like, you know, help them somehow become better. I also like younger guys because then I feel like I feel like if guys are older than me that they're going to try to teach me something and I'm like nah and I also don't like I also don't like the dynamic of equality I like to be the person in charge I really I was raised by my grandparents and so I usually take like a submissive role but like I really enjoy you know equality I'm totally for it and um in fact when (sighs) I don't know if I should tell this story but I'm going to anyway (laughs) so um when I came out of that relationship it was so bad that I was I had a horrible job and I was enforcing contracts from the 90s for a security company and I'd call people up and I'd say remember that contract that you signed a decade or so ago well guess what um it auto renewed and you owe us five grand I'm so sorry (laughs) wow yeah and so one day I got on the phone with someone and and I'm a really great person breaking bad news to good people all day. <laughs> um, but one person got on the phone and said, dude, this and that. He was using. Oh, you can swear. Oh, okay. You fucking bitch. Like, I'm going to fucking come to your office and this and that. And you work for a piece of shit company. And he was just raging. Yeah. And I looked around. And this was two weeks after I got out of that relationship. I looked around. And I was like, holy shit. I'm hot as fuck right now. Like, should I get this guy's number? Wow. And then I was... Wow, you were positively triggered by a person who was verbally abusing you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What a perspective. That's amazing that you were able in that moment to take a step back and take a step forward and analyze that situation. I I wouldn't have... The wherewithal to do that, I'd be like, <laughs> you'd be like, let's, let's, let's yeah, what's your number, guy. buddy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, but I was like, you know what? This is not my kink. This is not, this is not me. And I think the next week or two, I went to, um, I was looking at um, the Berkeley University paper because I was like, clear, you know what? I, I lived in Berkeley when I was 18 for about a year, and I was like, you know what? I'm sure they're gonna offer some really unique insights in the um, BDSM, those kinds of things, right? Because I'm trying to figure out what the fuck just happened, right? right? <laughs> and no, I didn't call him. <laughs> no, good, good. For um, you. But but you felt that seed, and that yeah. triggered something in you to say, "Wow, that is hot." No, right? <laughs> well, no, that turned me on in some way, and yeah. then to think, and like, that's well, not okay. Why does that? Why? Why? And yeah. and there's an empowerment with BDSM and, and there's things that are going on and I can't, I'm not in a place of judgment at all. Um, it's, it's really about consent. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah, and safe words. Right. And so... Um, I think that actually BDSM is the m- one of the safest ways that you can have sex because everything is, if you're doing it right, everything is laid out ahead of time. You know exactly what's going to happen. There are no surprises. 
And if there is a surprise, you have your safe word. And you hmm. just say it, and the person respects you, and it's that easy. I feel like because it's so consent-based, and they're hardcore on consent, that it feels, it can feel even safer. Right. And I, I, I think there's, I mean, that's such an important topic to talk about, too, is consent. You know, I definitely like to make jokes about it to try to open up discourse. Well, I've learned a lot about consent, because I didn't realize that um, I've had some potentially incestually photojournalistic behaviors, just made that word up. <laughs> but I, I didn't realize for years, because I, because in the 90s, when, like, at the beginning of the height of my sexuality, I'm, I'm quite older than that, but when I was in college in the early 90s and even in the late 80s in high school, uh, the, the way women were treated was so, there it's, Going to a hip hop club in the '90s was basically sexual abuse. Like you were gonna, right? People were gonna come up behind you and they were gonna stick their hard dick up against you and they weren't gonna make eye contact and they weren't gonna ask you if it was okay to dance with you. They were just gonna start rubbing up on you all night, and you, all night, and you know, every night. But but that was the thing is that in going to the hip hop club in LA and Koreatown in the '90s, you knew that that's what you were signing up for. It was almost like consent before consent. Like everybody knew that in going to this place that these kinds of things are the things that are going to happen. You're not a- asking to get raped in the bathroom, but people are definitely sure. going to come up and do some things that you didn't give the permission for. The climate was different. The climate was different. And so when I decided to sort of rail against that in the late 90s and early 1000s, and even into the late... I mean, I've been in... I've touched people... I've touched people inappropriately without their consent. I used to play a game called Grab Ass with <laughs> people at bars where... I would grab a guy's ass and I'd point at my friend and be like, hey, look at me, look at her. And then she'd do the same thing and be like, look at her over there, it's not me. And now I look back and I'm like, I was just sexually assaulting men in bars. <laughs> but right. I didn't know that at the time. Right, <laughs> yeah, it's because true. Of the, because of the climate that I grew up in, I was like, well, feminism now, we can do this. This has been happening to me for years and now with feminism, it's my turn to start doing it back. And now I'm like, oh, that was m- probably not, that was a little predatory. Yeah. And now I've ha- yeah. and now I've learned to ask for consent from people before because I'm a, I'm a, I can be a real touchy feely flirty person, and I, I definitely d- am like I'm a hugger you know and I just I forget I forget myself but you know I don't really cater I, I don't really cater who I am to other people but when it comes to touching their bodies it's worth a thought right it's worth a thought fair enough yeah um but it it definitely made me investigate BDSM I had never really uh explored that actually still to this day so um but i've read about it and talked to people about it those kinds of things i've had friends that are you know in it um and for me it was really about how do i not have this kink how do i not get turned on when i meet someone that's probably dangerous and violent you know what i mean because right. when you're in an abusive relationship, a lot of women don't understand these psychological concepts, so they'll be de- um, dolphining in and out of relationships um, and experiencing the same thing. Sure. And I didn't want to do that. So right. I had to take a break uh, a couple years off, and it worked. I'm not yeah. into that shit. Yeah, the, the dynamic that I fight is that I, um, I try to take care of people and mother them and then I get sort of angry if my care and attention isn't reciprocated. But when I go into these things, I kind of know that 
I'm because I want to be the person in charge. So it's like I'm the caretaker, I'm the provider, I'm the giver, and then I get mad when that isn't mirrored. Except that I'm like perpetuating these relationships where I'm the one that's like in this mothering role. You right. Know, probably because I'm the mother. But I feel like as far as identity, identity is so much more than just a relationship. Mm. I've experienced so much more freedom and have learned, you know, so much about my capabilities uh, outside of relationships. So, I mean, that, I mean. Do you have a safe word? What's your safe word? I don't. Mine's cinnamon. Is it really? Yeah, because it's a weird thing to say, and it's not anything that would ever be in the bedroom. Should everyone have a safe word? You know, I think it's a good idea if you're in a sexual relationship with someone, absolutely. Yeah. Just because, I mean, I always tell people my safe words, just in case, because if something hurts or I don't like it, I'm going to say cinnamon. <laughs> just because, <laughs> because no or yes doesn't, it sometimes it c- in the context, it doesn't have as much meaning as this word that you decide at the beginning, this is the word, and if anything goes awry stop right well I think it's good just for I mean I don't know I usually just say something if it's that if it's like that you know um I'll just be like hey wrong hole fool something right 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 right. (laughs) cinnamon cinnamon (laughs) I don't know yeah safe words are fun yeah because you know but I really you know um a friend and and I were talking about what it meant like to have kind of that attraction, unhealthy attraction, and what it took for me to kind of get out of it, which I still like bad guys, like sure, like I do, you know, but I I can't give it any serious thought or time, but what I will say is um, I feel like there's definitely something psychologically important going on during this type of kink that should be evaluated by the individuals participating in it Mm. Um, because I think getting to know yourself and your history and where you're going is important you know I'm just so vanilla I'm like I want (laughs) to try something new (laughs) but because I I'm um, in my it's it's hard I'm getting old still how how old are you I'm 42 oh wow I I thought you were a lot younger than me so kind thank you so much you have no wrinkles that's what they say but I trust I trust I trust they're there no well, also, I'm I'm having macular degeneration, so I can't see a goddamn thing. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that explains so much. Yeah, I, I'm beer goggling <laughs> myself all the time, and I like it. I'm like, oh, is that what I look like? Sure. I can't I can't even pluck my eyebrows anymore because I have to wear like my my bifocal my reading glasses. Oh yeah. And so I've got to like pull them up and pull them down and try to get hairs off my face. I just can't even. Magnifying mirror. That's what you need. Magnifying mirror. Yeah. Mm, that way it'll all work out. I've got this. You got this. I'm an old crone now. You're I looking great. I hate right. the word crone. I hate it. But it's that's the term they give us when you go through menopause and you don't have any worth in society anymore. Oh, that's absolute bullshit. I know. But still. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to get old. And with all the sex stuff, you'd think it would get easier as you get older. And it seems to have got harder. And I'm just so much more self-conscious. I feel like uh, I just can't. I don't know. I don't. I used to not. I haven't shaved for years and years and years. And I just kind of started again. And I'm like, God, do I, am I really doing this? Like, what am I doing? You're having fun with your body hair. I know. It's just fun. I, I wish I, c- I wish that we could all just 
sometimes I'll just protest shaving my legs and stuff, and that's always when I meet someone. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, I yeah. haven't shaved for you. Here you go. Yeah. Check yeah. it out. Like I'm not, I'm not into like quaffing my body hair. And they're into it. Like, um, if you find the right person, hell yeah. 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 It'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm seriously thinking about doing, doing a good long bout of celibacy to just sort of like clean out the cobwebs and figure out <laughs> like what I'm, what. But then I worry because I'm like I'm getting so old. Soon, no one's gonna want to have sex with me because I'm so old. That's not true. Well, the guys I want to have sex with aren't going to want to have sex with me oh. because I'm too old. Well, things change. Things change. You, d change. you don't know what'll be in style. That's true. You know what I mean? Milfs seem to be a thing, although I'm not on it. So I guess I could play one on TV. Do that's the thing I wonder about all this stepmom porn. Are they real stepmoms or are they just really good actors? I don't know, but it really does. I know you're laughing, but I'm like, you know, that really doesn't. S that really does circle back around to abuse and how it plays into sex. Does it? I Step think so. Stuff? Oh, I think so. I don't know. I mean, in part. I just wonder. I, I'm not 100%, but what I will say is um, I wonder if there are, is it a niche that is just like uh, uh, brother, sister stuff or incest oh, stuff? Oh, that that's like, that's all over the place right now. Right. I, I mean, I don't watch porn. I just hear about it from all the jokes of all the guys who watch Atheist porn. I, I just, I've never, I think maybe from my religious upbringing, it's something that I was never really exposed to. And then when I was married, he, my husband was black and he had a small penis and he didn't want me to know. And he was like the first guy I had sex with. So I didn't <laughs> know. And so I wasn't, a, we didn't watch porn or have dildos because I found out later when I left him that his big black dick was not so big. But oh, I wow. didn't know. I just, everyone would always say, like, oh, he's black. He's got a huge dick. I was like, yeah, it's huge. But I didn't Aww. know because That's I just so didn't wonderful. experience anything else. It was he, great. I bet you he still holds a candle for you for that. <laughs> Probably. You know what I mean? I was That's like, beautiful. Yeah, it was great. Also, I'm very, <laughs> I'm very, I have very shallow vagina, so it was, it worked out. Yeah. Don't know why I just divulged that on air. Uh, but. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's. Um, Micro penis, guys. It's okay. It wasn't I'm a micro penis. It just was. I just <laughs> when I when I moved to San Francisco and I slept I slept with my first white guy, I was like, oh my god, your dick's enormous. And he's like, six inches is pretty standard, really. And I was like, oh, oh, yeah. But it's just because I never watched porn. But a I think that the people that watch, I think that all the kids that have been watching porn since they were twelve because of their iPhones, I do think that that perpetuates violence and sex. And I. I because when you watch enough, like, like, and then I hear guys go, yeah, I beat up that pussy last night. It's like, <laughs> can you, do you have to say it like that? Like, can you say, like, I hang out with a lot of guys. You're like, I victimized that pussy yeah, last I night, you know? That's fun. See, I used to do a joke about that. <laughs> I victimized that pussy last night. Right. I, I got her to, yeah. I mean, but I think that that's perpetuated through, through these visual images that, People don't necessarily have context for, or they don't necessarily see it as fantasy, and they see it as you do what feels good or whatever, and then you move on. Right, and that's okay. I don't. I definitely don't like shaming one. I just think there's a psychology to it, and life is a series of abuses and traumas, as far as I'm concerned. So, uh, for me, they're all kind of related, uh, as far as like abuse how it plays out in the future you know childhood abuse to adult yeah. relationship abuse sure. to you know um the rough sex thing was never anything that i had um 
partaken in, but um, coming out of because the the lovemaking was was not nonviolent. Yeah. So coming out of this really terrible physically violent relationship, um, it was really weird for me to understand that a lot of women like to be choked. Oh. So my mind was just kind of blown day in and day out <laughs> as I was sure. just like, yeah. why? I don't get it. Is it Fifty Shades of Grey? What's happening? And because I was in a bubble. Right. And so uh, in a really isolated relationship. So um, those are things. And since then, I've had a really healthy year-long relationship. I'm not in a relationship now, but, you know, I still talk to my ex and have a good rapport with that person. And yeah. There was no incidences, you know. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, I had to take a couple years off and definitely do self, self-care or whatever you call it. Uh, yeah, the choking thing. Um, I used to like to be spanked a little bit, but it was only because <laughs> at that time when I left my husband in my early 30s, I was 32 when I left my husband. I moved to San Francisco. Became the whore of Sodom and Gomorrah. I was drinking. It was before comedy. I was a poet. So I was using alcohol a lot to be creative because I was sort of taught that, you know, Bukowski Yay! was a super drunk and I loved yes. his poetry. And I was like, oh, and the honesty that comes out of that. And the and so I was doing this sort of poet thing where, like, I'm a drunk and that's what I do and I'm <laughs> unapologetic about it. And I, like, fuck guys in bar, in bar bathrooms. And I, right. like, and, yep. and I was drunk all the time. So I don't know how much of when I was having sex with these guys – I don't know how much was me asking them to be violent or if them perpetuating violence with me and me not caring because I was so drunk and I wanted whatever they were providing, even if I didn't necessarily remember it later. Like, it was, I mean, I had nights where I'd wake up and be like, and I'd sort of like do some kegels and be like, do you have sex this week? Did you? Like that kind of stuff because I didn't really remember. But I think that in the moment, I was into whatever they were into, and they seemed to be into spanking. Like, so then it kind of became like, oh, out of my marriage where it was just me and him for 13, well, we were together for five and then married for seven, but for 13 years, this was the person I had sex with, and this is what it was like. And then all of a sudden, I'm out in this world, and I was like, what? It's like this? And so I didn't really have, and because I hadn't watched any porn, and I hadn't didn't really have a lot of sexual experience, like, it was also new to me, but I just sort of thought, well, this is the way it is. But it was more like, this is San Francisco sex, drunk <laughs> sex in 2008. You know, like right. where this is what the, the sort of the community is doing, is spanking right. and choking. So it was like, oh, okay, I guess I'm into this. Right. And now I realize, like, I'm not into that at all. Like, not even a little. Like, I don't like to be spanked. I don't like it. I don't get anything out of it. I don't know why I submitted to it for so long. I don't. I had a guy once. I um, I said something to him, and then he he smacked me in the back of the head. And why? Yeah, because I guess we were doing doggy style, and <laughs> he smacked me in the back of the head really hard, and it kind of like rung my bell a little bit. <laughs> and I like disengaged, and I'm like, get the fuck out of my house. And he's like, I thought that's what you wanted. I'm like, no, I never want you to hit me in the head. Right. Like who does that? I was so pissed. Like get the fuck out of here. I don't. I don't. And he know. got all mad at me. He's like, why did you? I'm like, what? 
Yeah, it's it gets it's, it gets interesting out there, and I'm all for interesting. You know, you got to find out where you know everyone's in their own processes, yeah. discovering what they're into. I know that what I'm into and what I'm not, so I'm I'm happy just kind of looking. I'm like, who did start that? The like, who started the choking thing? Was it like Nicki Minaj? Well, I don't you know, <laughs> I I kind I of understand <laughs> it from the from the auspices of. Uh, autoerotic asphyxiation and that if you decrease your airflow, you can come harder. So oh, that is true, yeah. So if there's a choking thing, it should be like right before you're going to come so that it's more intense. But, you know, I'd rather just do a whipping. Like if I want to if I want to decrease my airflow, there's a lot of ways I can do that without feeling victimized. Unless, unless it's totally consent-based and you start it out and be like, all right. I mean, bottom line, if it's consent-based, it's consent-based, right? right? That's what I read in in the um, university paper in Berkeley, and that's why I was like, oh, oh. And I had to wrap my mind around that for quite some time. Right, there's guys that like women to put on high heels and step on their nutsack. My friend has done that, yes. And that's I was shocked. into it. She is so, she's so, <laughs> she's such a lovely human being and i'm like oh really like i'm shocked that you stepped on men's testicles yeah and she's like that's what they wanted that's what they wanted <laughs> there was um i saw there was a guy he did a documentary and he was really sick but he was he was like sick dying but he was also into this sm role play kind of thing and he actually took a nail and pounded it through his sternum oh yeah on the fucking on the do- documentary and i was like Whoa. But, uh, I mean, people derive sexual pleasure from all kinds of things. Yeah. And it's not, I don't want to be judgmental. And be We're like, just animals. We're just animals. Trying to get through this life together. Without getting coronavirus. And without getting our balls permanently right. damaged, though. Sure. <laughs> I mean, damage my ovaries. Get, get, get this thing <laughs> out of here. Let this menopause here. end. <laughs> um, what, tell us more about the, the, the new comedy church. What's where's the where where's your location? Um, so I'm still ironing out the oh this is this is what I should explain. You don't have to register with the state to start a church, so the church already started, but I am registering it as a 501b. Oh, and during that process, they might say because there's 20 different kinds of um, nonprofit business structures out there, and at one point they might say we just can't recognize you as a church. Um, because it has to be faith-based and um, comedy is based on faith. I th- I think so. Super um, faith-based. I mean, I think for some comedians, like the the mic is like service. You sure, know, absolutely. Like, it's like it's uh, like therapy. It's like cleansing. It's like service. It's yeah. like yeah, communication. It's cleansing for other people. It's there's all kinds of there's catharsis for the crowd if they somehow relate to you. I mean. Right. So, you know, um, I'm going to see if that flies. If it does fly, I guess the benefit is it's cheaper than an LLC. It can have affiliate nonprofits. It is more than just like the tax credit and exemptions. I really want to be able to collaborate and help other comics that I love. Like, um, not just that I love, because I love a lot of people. Like, I'm pretty free love and check. Like, I just am uh, what comedy and all these different communities that I've visited have done for me super healing you know sure. um, just because I've found other people that were depressed as hell or right, right. or um, 
we saw humor and funny things that were tragic. And so um, one of the premises, even though it's business, like a business underwriting and those type of things, um, what kind of prompted it to actually go into application mode was I had secured a venue in Merced for like uh, 80 to 130 people. I'm going to do a suicide prevention fundraiser in September. Great. That's right. Merced. Are you from Merced? No. Okay, I didn't think so. No, but. Um, like, how far away is it by Merced? No, a friend. I had actually wanted to do it at, like, last year, mm. um, like, when I was four months in because my dad had committed suicide. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. But thankfully, I think he was sober. By himself. <laughs> yeah, no, by, by himself. Else. No, I don't yeah. know. Okay. <laughs> but all jokes aside, uh, all jokes aside, I wanted to do something meaningful to me, you know, yeah. um, for, for that cause and for other people. And I just think that, um, you know, when I've met other comics and been able to vibe out with people, um, you know, a lot of people are depressed. I mean, think about how many people. Oh, I'm depressed. Yeah. I oh, yeah. This is what depression looks like for me. I'm always smiling. Yeah, it's terrible. Is, yeah, exactly. This is <laughs> well, but no one knows what you are. No one knows I'm what like, the inside eh, looks no, like, um, you know. Always smiling. No, I actually fare really well. I mean, it is shocking. The only thing is the the holidays were hard for me, so I did party a lot. Um, but my first, like, five months in comedy were really sober-ish, like occasional Coke, whatever. Small-ish. Um, and so to be able to overcome, like, feeling like panic attacks and mm. social anxiety and really do it by kind of like this, I don't know, there's some kind of reverse therapy that happens yeah absolutely. you confront your fears and then also ptsd you have problems with perspective and like with emotional flashbacks and things sure and i don't get those as often right like, i mean well i never had them very often but there were certain things that were huge and so very triggering you had lots of triggering events and now you and it hasn't been that long and you've already sort of worked through a lot of it oh well it's been it's been a couple years since oh, it's that bad. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, I've only done comedy for eight months. Right. But well, it I was wasn't thinking about the dad stuff. Yeah, it wasn't. That's a whole other trauma. Yeah, but right. Right? <laughs> oh, my God. What? So which, many which traumas. Which traumas will I address tonight on stage? But th that's the thing. I mean, uh, a lot of my therapists had vicarious trauma, and I would joke yeah. around about it before I did comedy because that's actually a term that a lot of psychologists and therapists have or, or use because, you know, they empathize with what they're hearing, and they are, like, Right. You know? One of my buddies, this is a total non sequitur, but one of my buddies years ago, he was a psychologist uh, for the Air Force, and he treated uh, pilots, helicopter pilots that were coming back from Iraq. And they were saying, and he got PTSD from hearing their stories, because they were telling stories about going down a city street and just mowing down people, just shooting people and seeing them explode in front of them. Right. And he was hearing those stories from those helicopter pilots, and then he got PTSD right. from just listening. So it's like if you can get PTSD once removed just from hearing those stories over and over and over, like just imagine how hard it is for the people who actually went through that like especially what? if they present really well you don't know what's going on all the time you yeah. know just like my dad like whatever he was going through you wouldn't have been able to tell sure. but 
what I will say is that, you know, you can have PTSD from a car accident, and then you can also be gang raped as well. And then how do you equate that sure. as a human being? Because I feel like they are equal. And I had a hard time the first couple years really struggling with that. Like, it's not equal. <laughs> right. It's, you know. My trauma is bigger than your trauma. Yeah. But it's. Um, Trauma's it, trauma. Yeah. But it's a really beautiful thing to acknowledge someone else's humanity because um, I think the effect, recognizing that you're not alone and then being able to connect with people, whether whatever level of, of healing they are, what whatever had caused them this this um, trauma, you know, I think that's what's important. It's I feel it's just another word. Vicarious trauma is just another word for empathy, sure. like really strong empathy. You know, when something powerful hits you, and I think uh, it's nothing to shy away from, and it shouldn't have stigma. And I think people should be able to talk about difficult subjects. And then, you know, I think in general, our culture will be happier. Uh, absolutely. No, I mean. Confronting things in an honest way is the best way to deal. I mean, it hurts. It can be difficult at the time, but then I feel like it takes the it takes the air out of it. You know, like if it's it's almost like trauma is a balloon, and that balloon is still there, but if it's filled with all this stuff and you keep filling it and filling it and filling it, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. But if you, you know use that air to let to let out that that communication then it can shrink because it, it's the same it's the same trauma it's just how much it, is it is it huge and filled up or is it you know tiny and wrinkled and when can you finally throw that balloon away and be like or can you or does that balloon stay with you maybe maybe the balloon just stays deflated maybe it's about deflating the balloon I mean, what if it's not the size of a balloon but something huge and heavy uh, yeah right sure I mean before I started comedy, what happened was my dad had passed, and then a friend of 30 years had died oh. right before the beginning of the summer. And I was like, that's it. I'm not working two jobs. I'm going out on the road, and I'm going to act like I'm going to kill myself every Friday. <laughs> <laughs> and it was great because I didn't. And wonderful things had happened yeah. um, every week. And um, I, like I said, really chased my happiness. But I feel like um, – where was I going with this? <laughs> that it's a heavy, it doesn't oh, have to be it's a, a heavy, heavy, light. heavy it's load. So I realized just with like that old relationship bullshit, uh, if you can call it a relationship, I, I was dragging all this trauma around and it was contaminating future opportunities. Sure. Even if I was holding it in really tightly, it was just leaking out and contaminating, you know, opportunities. So I had this visualization that I would put that baggage into a room and I would go visit it like whenever I needed to but like every morning when I walked out the door or the car door or whatever I would try to be the person that I wanted to be well, that's the best you got a storage unit for your emotional yeah. baggage that's yeah. great yeah. so you put the stuff in the emotional storage locker and you got the key and you can visit it anytime you want anytime but it doesn't have to you don't have to it's hard to travel with all that stuff. And if you go to an open mic and you put down all of your stuff and you're like, <laughs> you sort of explode into the room and you're like, all right, here I am. But then it's, yeah, I understand that. If you can lock it away yeah, and visit it, not lock it away and not think about it. Not like 
not like the alcohol locking away was like, I'm drinking this, I'm not thinking about it, I'm drinking, 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 I'm locking away these feelings. But that those feelings are there, they're valid. I'm not going to visit them now. Yeah. Because right now is not a healthy time to visit them because I'm doing other things. I'm going to visit them later and deal with that stuff and sort through it. And maybe I don't need to, maybe someday I won't need to storage my ex. Maybe I can go through it. Maybe I can have a garage sale. I can have an estate sale. I can sell things. Right. Just trade it off for Trade it off. Give it away. Trade it (laughs) off. Get rid of it. For new baggage. For new baggage. Yeah. Absolutely. That's what life's about. And the thing is, is I love making people laugh about things that they shouldn't. Maybe. You know, that they don't expect or I don't expect them to laugh about. Um, And I think those kinds of things are important because when I was really going through a lot of trauma, I still had my sense of humor. So the the belief in my whole heart is that comedy is a a great coping and healing mechanism. And um, I think that there's been comics doing comedy for a long time that – Maybe not for a long time, but some of them just don't realize how important they are. Right. You know, even on a subconscious level, when no one's a, no one's paying attention at the open mic, but they're out there, they're they're speaking truth into existence, and they're trying to make people laugh. The jokes in their head coming out—that's a beautiful thing. And um, so I really think being able to do it on stage and then affect strangers is yeah. just amazing. We're we're uh. How is, uh, tell us, walk us through one of your new church services. Oh, well, some things are still, some things are still in process, Mm. but the whole idea is the hope that the actual location will be kind of like Universal Life Church, Mm. where it's a website. The service is actually a podcast that I can actually have have people have conversations with each other, post videos, talk philosophy, talk shop, like, um, and really, on one hand, it's like a nonprofit public relations tool, but on the other hand, if anyone really has met me and really vibes with me, then they know how much, um, how important the people that I work with and work around are, Mm -hmm. even if I'm really, like, this new relationship and business relationship, and um, yeah, I mean, it's tough out there. It's it's good to, like, shine shine a light and say, hey, you know, uh, we're all trying to build each other up. <laughs> do you mean what do you think you about say, that? When you say that, are you, do you mean in a comedy way, or are you saying in, like, a hum- humanitarian way? Humanitarian okay, way. Okay, yeah, because comics are all soulless monsters. <laughs> so that I'm like, I'm like, you want to build what with who? Like, yeah. Like, soulless monsters Let's who have it. no, they don't, they don't appreciate it. You know what? Even soulless monsters, they probably have been victimized themselves at some point. At yeah, some that's point. true, too. And people forget men get raped, men get attacked, you know. Yeah, I know. We do forget that. Um, I forget that all the time. Um, so, so, but in the same, uh, it's really important that, you know, we exercise tolerance and just try to um, celebrate each other uh, for for being in the in the laughing industry. I think it's great. That's nice. I don't think comedians are very supportive. I think you're amazingly supportive, and, and I'm excited uh-huh. about your church. Thank you. But Merced. Oh, no, that's just, that's just a, um, that is a wonderful venue um, for a fundraiser in September. Oh, right, for the fundraiser for for suicide awareness. The actual church. It's the only, suicide's the only death that's 100% preventable. You feel that? Yes, suicide's the only death that's 100% preventable. Never heard that. Yeah, 
It's the only it's the only death that you can prevent. If someone's gonna die because oh. of a car accident, it's gonna happen. If they're gonna die out of a plane, that's fine. Like disease, like the only the only death that you can stop is someone that's gonna kill themselves. Oh, that makes and me so horny. Well, well, but it's but that's <laughs> the thing too is, and I think a lot of people carry around guilt yeah. that they didn't do enough or that they yeah. didn't talk to a person or they didn't say something on that day or what and it's like i mean it's i feel like we need to put resources into m- maybe Action. helping people be i don't know maybe it's just that our society it just doesn't feel like there is a lot of support and a lot of love in the world right now and so yeah. people have a difficult time connecting and it's very easy to feel alone yeah. because Especially with the advent of all of our devices and that we think we're getting closer, but we're really just getting farther away. And when you, I can't look at Instagram because it's just an idealized personification of everyone's life. (laughs) And so it makes me feel like a pile of dog shit often. And then I get more depressed by trying to feel more connected. So like in my search for connection, I feel more disconnected because of the media that we're connecting on now. Right. I think with comedy, even though uh, they're soulless bastards, is that what you said? Um, monsters. monsters. Yeah. Um, I don't say d- selfish, soul- soulless. Yeah, monsters, I, yeah. I, I felt like fellowship just as a human being, um, and was shocked. I mean, I feel like people can't surprise you unless you allow a space for them to surprise you sometimes, uh. and then you get to hear their stories because you're such. You know, in, in, my, in my case, I'm just like blah blah blah, very open, right? Mm. Uh, and so I get to hear stories, and I'm just like, wow, you know, if people knew this about me, you know? And just, like, really kind um, people that, you know, You're I mean. You're so positive. I'm very happy in my life. I, I yeah. was very, like, like very, very depressed at the beginning of the summer. Um, but, I mean, I would say two months in, I was done. I was fine. Like, oh. I had recovered. So when I say my life in recovery, I mean, you know, I, I'm not 100%. I, s- I still know that I have emotional flashbacks. I'll have certain things happen that I know are part of this um, what a PTSD or whatever. But it was uh, invaluable for me to just really push myself. And I think that's what comedy is. You get up there and to be able to share yourself and push that envelope um, – just from translating thoughts in, into speech mm. and then just wait to see if they're going to – like in my case, I was like, Jen, what's the worst they can do? Walk out on you? Heckle you? You've been through worse. And when you put it – when you're dealing with your trying to recover from trauma in that way, it was helpful for me. I was like – every time I got off the mic um, was just like, this is great. This is a great thing. Wow. Yeah, I have a – my only trouble is I feel like I'm only good as my last performance. And so if That's I haven't I had say. a good performance in a while, I'm like, <laughs> what am I doing with my life kind of thing. Oh, so. well, I think – I don't know. I'm just – I've been lucky. I have a couple shows coming up, one in Concord and one in, in Santa Cruz. Um, but, like, for the most part, I was just doing it to meet the people and to share myself and – um I was very lucky to fall into really great uh, supportive spaces, you know. And um, where are the supportive spaces you go to? Because I don't <laughs> know where they are. Reno, Santa Cruz, um, uh, San Jose. Um, San Jose, where? Like the improv? 
Oh no, I haven't done the caravan. Improv- oh, I, you know I've done the caravan a couple yeah, times. I've never gone down to San Diego to do. Um, I've done the Reno Improv, yeah. and that's been fun. Um, yeah, so I've done like a show in Hollister. I just jumped on a set, um, a showcase in San Mateo, um, Delirium. But for a couple months, I actually like just went to like the toughest rooms or the the rooms that I thought were most difficult. And it was about, like, trying to, whatever fear was inside of me, tear it apart. Gotcha. Get it out of here. Good. Yeah. Uh, awesome. What do you, do you have any, do you have any more to add about the, about your new church? Well, I, well, if people, um, well, how do I say this? I just want to be inclusive and support people's dreams. And I think that um, if you believe that everything is funny, and simultaneously, nothing is funny at all. <laughs> um, and you can exercise some politeness, just a small amount of, of uh, politeness and some amount of tolerance. Then I'm sure every you know, I that's a great collaborative space because that's like my f- my adopted family. Mm. That's that's what I want to to kind of create. Just even if it's just a few people that are talking about like my friend Tess, like. Um, she is like a political activist and writer and and so there's going to be a lot of different types of content mm-hmm. and um, just different ways to support each other and kind of build kind of a community within a community that already exists because all of this all this feeling that I've had I know that it's there I don't need to create a church uh, to validate it but I know that other people are experiencing this wonderful thing on the mic too, and they're driven by it, and they're hitting these mics all the time, and it's great. Yeah, it's so Drunk. funny. Once yeah. you're well, no. <laughs> once you're in it, once you're in it for as I mean, once you're in it for as many years, it by habit starts to you it you start to wonder what what actually you're getting out of it or what's happening. I mean, I'm I'm almost nine years in to comedy. Yeah. So and. I mean, that's uh, that's that's sad, actually. No, well, I no, it is so. because it's like, what has been truly created in these nine? This is the longest I've ever done anything. I've done graduate school for you know four years was kind of the long. I never have held a job more than like four years. Um, this is it's the longest thing I've ever sort of committed to, just straight time wise, and then start to evaluate like what are the benefits like am I am I emotionally secure do I feel like that's sort of but you know I don't know I don't know I don't know what to do with it I don't know if it is I and it's you, you just start to wonder like what's the end game well I think happiness should be a goal right sure and it's not always going to be achievable n- not at all but I think um, if you find joy in it, and I mean, I remember when I first attempted comedy like seven years ago, someone was like, and I had stopped, um, someone had said, well, it doesn't matter if you're funny or not. It just matters on if you're on the mic or not. What? I know, he's an asshole. The point is, is that, <laughs> that had me fucked up for like a minute. Because yeah, I'm like. Because I was like, I'm, hel- like, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I feel was like. Was it like a backhanded compliment? Like, 
doesn't you're matter the, that you're not funny. Like, it's like <laughs> what are you saying? No, he was saying, like, I was, like, the funniest girl he knew, but that it didn't matter unless I was up on the mic. And so whether it was encouragement or a backhanded uh, compliment or whatever, it was really bothered me because I wasn't going to get up there at the time. So, and then for a moment this summer, I was doing 26 mics a month. I was, like, going crazy, getting my fix, right? Yeah. Um, I will say that I thought for a second, I kind of understand there's so much difference in being up on stage and not. But it doesn't mean it's less important. If you're a funny person and you are making your family laugh or your coworkers laugh, oh, my goodness, my uh, work wife, Kanisha, oh, Lord, she is. She and I survived a really toxic work environment, um, but we were laughing the whole way. And I think that's how you get through the hard times, you know? Yeah, laughter, as they say, it's the best medicine. I don't think it's going to cure the coronavirus. And now that everybody keeps (laughs) canceling their shows, I was like, I was booked on Fuster Clut this Friday. Come on, man. You're canceling it? What are you doing? Come on. I'm not canceling anything at Mutiny Radio. I'm doing everything. I don't care. I I don't believe in corona. I, I, I I think everyone's freaking out for no reason. Freaking out. If you're not old and you don't have AIDS, you're going to be fine. If you're not a baby and you're not some old person with fucking diabetes and, you know, great some crazy immunosuppressive disease, it's just another flu, everybody. I mean, it's going to suck, but really, give me a break. There was some really gnarly videos coming out of Wuhan, and there was just a woman screaming, and they were telling I wanted to post it, but I was like, oh, gosh, this lady could really upset. And yeah. So, but <laughs> but it was really moving because she's like, our government is allowing this to happen. Uh. Uh, they're not taking the precautions that they're able to, and they're letting our elders die. And she was so distraught. Yeah, but and she's like, I know what's going to happen because I came out of, um, because I'm speaking out against my government. Yeah, she's going to get be put in jail. Yeah, and she's, she's going to disappear she's gonna or whatever. Yeah. And it sucks when old people die, but like there's so many people. I'm I'm so heartless right now. I'm it's so okay. heartless. I'm just like, there's billions of people on the planet. Mother Earth is figuring out a way to kill some of them. Oh, that's what's going on. I know. I don't know if I'm gonna make it either. I'm really excited because <laughs> I just if I survive it, I'll be really excited about it. It's not a personal accomplishment. It's just I've just touched my face like 15 times since I've been here. I'm like touch, touch. I. I'm not um, a germaphobe. I bite my nails. I ride the bus and bite my nails. If anybody is going to get corona, it's going to be me. <laughs> I've got my fingers in my mouth all the time. Like a little, I'm not just touching my face. I'm like <laughs> fingers in my <laughs> mouth. I'm, you know, I'm, who knows what's on the 22 bus? Is there feces on the 22 bus? I Always. don't know. Probably. <laughs> like, Always. Hello. I'm just going like, <laughs> to wipe my hand in some urine because it's sterile. Oh and I'll like God. run it through my hair. <laughs> No, we're all going to be. I think that things are going to be fine. And if they're not, I've been waiting for the coming apocalypse for years. I'm super stoked on it. (laughs) Oh, I want the apocalypse to come now. Finally, all my skills will come to fruition. Like, I can cook outdoors. I can murder animals and eat them, prepare them. I can run fast. Like, there's all kinds of things I can do in the apocalypse. (laughs) I don't know how to shoot guns, though. I can. I can run fast. I can still skateboard. I think that once the apocalypse happens, I'll start skateboarding again because I won't be worried about losing teeth. Be like, whatever. Right. Dentists left. I can skateboard. Yeah. Yeah. 
this has been crazy. You have any other uh, last words for the people about any of your amazing things? Um, it's like a, a just keep an eye out, and I'll definitely be sending invites and spread the word that like there's gonna be cool collaborations, and we're just gonna celebrate kindness and awesomeness, and above all, above all, comedy. Yeah. yeah. If well, you know, and if you wanted to use this space, we have Sundays for to cook open. I know. I I messaged you about like oh. trying to get something lined up. Yeah. So yeah. Did I not get back to you? Oh yeah, you did. Okay, we just good. haven't I can't really talked about I've it. I've been so busy because of the festival. I'm like, I have no idea what's <laughs> happening in my life. I have no idea what's happening. And then I've got all these people that are like, hey, when's this coming out? What's that? And I'm like, oh, I'm not even close to getting the videos together. I still have to, like, I don't think people realize that I don't have a team. I work alone. There is nobody but what? me. And that's what I'm Moody talking Radio about. Radio is Pam Benjamin. That's it. That's it. There's no... There's, I have, I have an accountant friend who helps me out, and I have my tech guy who lives in Vegas, who's a gem, Andrew right. Richard Kiss. But other than those two people, there ain't nobody. There are nobody. There's well, like, and I even try to get people to pay their dues. I mean, I have to. That's the other thing I have to do today is go through and send emails to all the people who haven't paid dues this month. I'm like, it's the tenth. <laughs> I'm waving money right now. Oh, thanks. What I will say is, is that um. Ideally, I want to sponsor comedians to be able to spread the good word in teams of two or three to do little small traveling loops. That is part of it, too. So um, there's some aspirations there, you know, because uh, I guess we want to take care of each other. that That is a whole, you saying that, that's a whole new perspective for me because I've been in it for nine years, and <laughs> I don't think anyone's been there to support me. You're like, so I will kill you all. When you're no. like, <laughs> no, I want everyone to die because I feel so unsupported. I'm like, fuck everybody. Where's the? But it's nice that you want, and I hope, I hope that me you too. get a team together me and that too. people support you back because yeah. when you run something, no, nobody, they don't. Even if I fail, my worst fear is that it's a complete failure, and I'll have to really come face to the face the gritty street knowledge but i already know gritty street knowledge it's fine yeah i'm 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 yeah and I'm also prepared. what is what is what is what is failure like i don't know yeah. what that means i don't i i don't understand failure and i don't un- understand success because when i feel like i have success in other people's eyes it's still failure and sometimes other people will see success for me and i'll see failure in my own eyes so like that whole concept of it's the same thing of like good and bad or right and wrong. The whole dichotomy of failure versus success. I have no concept what that means. Be good to yourself and just be kind to yourself. And I think that you'll be in a good place. You know? Jen Sanchez. Everybody look no. up. Garcia. Garcia. You're racist. <laughs> I'm such a jerk. Well, no, it's because there's another girl named. No, there's Jen Perez. That's the other oh. Jen. I'm a racist. I'm an accidental racist. I knew it was wrong. Sorry. No, it's okay. Jen Garcia. Oops. I'm sorry. There's a lot of Jens now. There's Jen Perez. There is no Jen Perez. I just made that name up. There should be. There should be. I'm going to create a fictional character. What's the – tell us the name of the church again. Vicarious Traumas Church of Comedy or Cock. Oh, that's hilarious. You need cock in your life. You need some cock in your – I don't. (laughs) I know. It's just a joke. We all do. No, I know. It's a joke. We're all good off cock. Yeah. Except the Church of Comedy, there you go. That is great. Uh, so everybody, check it out. Church of Comedy. Uh, this has been some call me Tim. Uh, yeah.
we'll be back next week with more talking about stuff. So, yes, and probably comedy. It always happens. Uh, thanks for joining me on MutinyRadio.fm. I hope that you're listening on our app. If you are listening on to us online and you have an iPhone, go and get our app. If you are online and checking out MutinyRadio.fm, please hit that GoFundMe button and give me some money. Or come by 278 121st Street any Friday. We have Pantastic Comedy Clubhouse from 8 to 10. It's only 10 bucks. Great comedy show. And I need your money <laughs> if you want this place to stay alive. Uh, thanks for being here, Jen. Thank you. Thank Yay. you. <laughs> Thank you so much. We slowed right down. It's great to be here. You're so funny. I did not know how old you were, and I should have known that. You weren't all ages then That's just It's a blessing. There's no alcohol in or outside the building. It is totally age appropriate. I am, yeah, I, I'm 19 years old. Uh, all the way out here. Yeah, no, I just love it. You know, I can't really believe how funny you are for 19. That is like, and you have <laughs> such a, you're such an own soul. No, you have like a, uh, awareness about you that belies your few years oh. on this planet. Thank you very much. I, I just I just call it social anxiety. You know, I'm just over. I'm very over analytical of myself. Uh, I'm I'm glad that I'm glad that it's a good thing. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you got the seeds. So the way that it works on some call me Tim is I have you look deep into the eyes of Sparkle oh, Jesus. I didn't scratch that on there. That's Some cool jerk came in there and did. I was like, "Why would you deface my beautiful Jesus?" But that's cool as fuck. Yeah, I think I think that's cool as fuck. I was seeing that. I was like, "Who had the balls to?" That that's such. I <laughs> used to put a little uh, a little roach in between his fingers, so it looked Ooh. like he was uh, like I taped <laughs> it on there. But someone took it and smoked it. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's only a matter of time. <laughs> uh, and then you look at the eyes of Sparkle Jesus, and I say, "Do you believe in Jesus?" Like as a as a person who once lived. Good question. Uh, however, however you define whatever's happening here, like, do you believe in Jesus? Um, as a person, as an icon, as an idol, no. So he was a guy who walked the earth approximately 2,000 years ago, and he was murdered because he said some cool shit. Yes. All right. 
but he had a great marketing team. <laughs> Twelve. I disagree. Twelve losers following him around. They were the <laughs> shittiest marketing team ever. I mean, we're talking about him right now. I mean, he had, <laughs> no, the, he had that okay. book series. <laughs> he has that book series. Yeah, you're right. He's got that book series. Yeah. Oh, when are they going to give give him that Netflix special? Yeah, uh, seriously. <laughs> everyone's talking about this Jesus guy. I, I, I mean, they there's history like around the same time as Jesus. There were just a lot of religious zealots, a lot of people going around. And just doing like magic and shit. The first doing ever doing magic and shit. Yeah, I I started thinking that they're just doing magic because the, the some of the oldest, um, I mean this is maybe just coincidence, but some of the oldest like drawings of Jesus are depicted of him with a wand. Really? Sort of, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. It's bibbity bobbity boo. Yeah, abracadabra Jesus. Ooh. And he's just like he's like Je- you know we, we like Jeff Dunham. You know why is he popular? He's not doing anything cool necessarily, but he's su- super good marketing team. Jesus, Ooh. maybe he was just a magician. You know, Peter. You know, got some 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 shit trending in the year zero. I think mm. that I think that what was trending <laughs> was food. They were feeding lots of people. Oh. And people didn't, <laughs> and they're like, "Ooh, food! Let's follow this guy around." Retweet on the bread. <laughs> 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 Hashtag bread. <laughs> Let's get this bread. This shit doesn't change. You know, <laughs> it's all circular. Let's get this cake. Some say because Jesus disappeared from the. So the if you read the New Testament or you read that, which is a collection of stories, and I didn't even include them all, but. Mm. He at 13ish years old, he flips the money changing tables in the temple, and he says, "Capitalism is bad." Blah blah. <laughs> and he disappears for 20 years, and he comes back when he's 33, and he does all his ministry within that year, and then they kill him. But people say, "Where did he go for those 20 years?" And some speculate that he actually went to Asia. He went to other parts of the continent oh. and studied with like uh, Chinese philosophers, like all these these different. Mm-hmm. philosophical ideas and, and in India and like studied with different people and then came back. I don't know. Someone yeah. might have made that up. But then That's I'm cool as shit though. I, I hope it's that because also if you look back um, the in the Chinese like pharmacology book they wrote 4,000 years ago they mentioned cannabis as like an actual medicine and all these different ways huh. to prepare it and put it in I things. I bet it was boof though. I bet, I bet it was not fire. No, well, they I were mean, not they smoking were gas. They, the were <laughs> they weren't separating the males and females. They were, I mean, maybe <laughs> they were collecting seeds and doing their thing, yeah. but I'm sure that the weed was much different. But then, so if he went and he visited all these Chinese people and learned about weed and came back right. and cured like all these skin disorders, what if he was just putting weed on? What if he was just smoking out all these fools? Or like putting it in oils and like <laughs> anointing them, anointing with oils. What the fuck is that CBD. about? CBD, right? He's the original CBD. CBD. Hell you yeah. Do the THCA. You do I the choose CBDs. to believe this. I think all religion you choose to believe it, and I, I, I believe that. I, I thank I, you. I, I very much. That's cool as shit. Do they really not know where he went for twenty years? They, there's there's no. So when you read the Bible, it's he's thirteen, and then all of a sudden he's a man, and he comes and he starts. John the Baptist comes and goes. Hey, it's not me. Everybody was like, John the Baptist, John the Baptist, you're the dude, you're the mm. dude. And he's like, nope, 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 I'm just the prophet. And then John the Baptist um, baptizes Jesus because then John the Baptist freaks, freaks out. He's like, oh, you're the one. Like very, yeah. very Neo, very Matrix. This yeah. is it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Jesus was all humble and shit. And he was like, yes. And, and so he got baptized. And then on the, the, the bird came down and, oh, and everybody, oh, he's the son of God. <laughs> And then he started his ministry from there. Jesus did. Yes. And that's after he got tempted in the desert by the devil for 40 days where he like didn't eat any food and he was fasting. He didn't talk to the father or whatever. And then the devil came and was like, I'm going to fuck with you. And he's like, nope, (laughs) I'm Jesus. And (laughs) And that's how we know it. That's (laughs) how we know he's the one. (laughs) 
That's so crazy. You know, I, I grew up an atheist. I never read the Bible, actually, because it was oh. so dense, and I was like, I never had a reason to. But hearing about Christianity and what the story is from different people in, like, their own colloquial, like, terms and casually is just so fucking, it's so fucking funny. Vinyl enthusiast.
Bug Ass Square. It's uh, it's Tuesday. It's six o'clock. It's um, uh, it's windy and it's warm. It's kind of kind of scary out there right now. Have you seen that vigilante man? Have you seen that vigilante man? Have you seen that vigilante man? I've been hearing his name all over the land. Hey, this week on Bughouse Square, uh, what do I got going on? I got, uh, <laughs> me. Um, well, uh, Phil Spector died. Um, and they, it's like Phil Spector, you know, music producer, convicted, murderer. Yeah. Well, he's dead. So uh, I got some Phil Spector influence stuff. Just a few. Um, got a ton of contributors put out a, a thing. So we're gonna do a lot of uh, a lot of that as well. So uh, thanks for doing what you got to do. To do this is uh, Mutiny Radio. Yeah, in full effect. Stormy days, we'd pass the time away. Sleeping in some good warm place Man come along and we give him a little race Was that a vigilante man? Preacher Casey was just a working man And he said, unite all you working men Kill him in the river some strange man was that a vigilante man hey i'm local comedian edna mirarea known for my sketch comedy show edna in a bottle i also happen to be a monologue queen yeah so when i'm not joking about the state of humanity i am telling stories just like i do in my solo show alters for my alters where all the characters in my head try to conquer me for stage time that's right you better put me on leave her alone where am i it won best of sf fringe and it's broke ass steward approved and i'm screening my solo show on february 5th because it's my birthday so we're having a drum and bass party afterward with dj flacco drum and bass get your tickets to my show alter for my altars and the dance party afterward at Eventbrite. Just go to eventbrite.com and type in Edna Monologue Queen Turns 35. See you February 5th. Bug Ass Square. It's uh, it's Tuesday. It's six o'clock. It's um, uh, it's windy, and it's warm. It's kind of kind of scary out there right now. Have you seen that vigilante man? Have you seen that vigilante man? Have you seen that? Vigilante man, I've been hearing his name all over the land. Hey, this week on Bughouse Square, uh, what do I got going on? I got, uh, <laughs> me. Um, well, uh, Phil Spector died. Um, and they, it's like Phil Spector, you know, music producer, convicted 
Murder. Yeah. Well, he's dead. So uh, I got some Phil Spector influence stuff. Just a few. Um, got a ton of contributors put out a, a thing. So we're gonna do a lot of uh, a lot of that as well. So uh, thanks for doing what you got to do. Do do. This is uh, Mutiny Radio. Yeah, in full effect. Stormy days, we'd pass the time away. Sleeping in some good warm place Man come along and we give him a little race Was that a vigilante man? Preacher Casey was just a working man And he said, unite all you working men Kill him in the river some strange man was that a vigilante man Vigilante man Why does a vigilante man Carry that sawed-off shotgun in his hand Would he shoot his brother and sister down I rambled around from town to town I rambled around from town to town and they herded us around like a wild herd of cattle Was that the vigilante men? Have you seen that vigilante man? Have you seen that vigilante man? I've heard his name all over the land You never close your eyes anymore your lips. There's no tenderness like grief in your fingertips. You're trying hard not to show it.
Sleepy golden storm is many love before us. I know that we are not new in city and in forest. They smiled like me and you, but now it's come to distances, and both of us must try. Your eyes are soft with sorrow. Hey, that.
steps will always rise You know my love goes with you as your love stays with me It's just the way it changes like the shoreline and the sea But let's not talk of love or chains and things we can't untie Your eyes are soft with sorrow Hey, that's no way to say goodbye Sleepy golden storm is many love before us. I know that we are not new in city and in forest. They smiled like me and you. But let's not talk of love or chains or things we can't untie. Your eyes are soft with sorrow. Hey, that. No way to say
Tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice. LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> As the world gets wackier and less predictable in every way, it is more important than ever for us to all remember our roots. We wouldn't be here today if our ancestors hadn't had the capacity and the skills to take care of themselves and their communities using the resources in the natural world around them and their own two hands. My name is Wonia Tebow of Buckskin Revolution and Alone Season 6, and I started Buckskin Revolution not just to empower people with a wider range of skills to meet their basic needs, but also to inspire them with a sense of fulfillment and connection that comes with living a little closer to the earth and using our bodies, our minds, and our very DNA for what they evolved to do, to help us thrive without the need for modern technology and industry. 
If that sounds appealing to you, I hope you'll join me for the Fall 2020 Buckskin Revolution Online Skills Gathering, an eight-week learning experience designed to work within any schedule. It involves pre-recorded classes, live interactive sessions, and online community learning support from both myself and your fellow students. The need for these skills has never been more pressing, and Buckskin Revolution is working hard to bring them to you. I hope you can join us. Get connected with yourself and the world around you at buckskinrevolution.com. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shit. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to Joke Workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 check, to 8 check, p.m. Check. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Don't lift it up. <laughs> I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on MutinyRadio.fm for... Let's watch a full-length movie on... YouTube. We watch the best movies that... Uh, aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by uh, Here's you. his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch Francisco, what are you doing this week? Come join Mutiny Radio Presents for four different comedy shows supporting local businesses in the Mission District and beyond. On Sunday, join us in the Tenderloin at Resolute Wine Bar, 678 Geary for Barrel of Laughs at Resolute, an amazing comedy show with the best wines curated by Resolute. On Wednesdays, join us at Asiento. At and 21st and Bryant for dinner and a show at Asiento. Delicious tapas, incredible drinks, hilarious comedy Wednesday nights at 7.30. On Fridays at 7 o'clock, join us outside mutinyradio.fm here at 21st and Florida, 7 o'clock for outdoor comedy, socially distanced in the street. And Saturdays, join us at Atlas Cafe SF at 20th in Alabama for Titans of Comedy every Saturday at 2 o'clock. Hey, keep supporting local businesses and comedy here in San Francisco with your friends at Mutiny Radio. St. Valentine's Day Mascara streaming live on Facebook 
Sunday, February 14th, 11 a.m., an international affair hosted by Ms. Noir. Do you crave a carnal couple? Are you longing for some lecherous lines? Is it seduction from a sultry sonnet that you're seeking, or would you rather be ravished by rhythm and drive? Care to venture a little voyeuristic versification with this lyrical libertine? Or could this wanton wordsmith leave you with an appetite for an allegorical adultery? Why not slake your literary lustings in a personal one-on-one? St. Valentine's Day Mascara. St. Valentine's Day Mascara. St. Valentine's Day Mascara. 14th of February 2021, 11am PST, Facebook Live. A date for everyone, hosted by Ms. Noir. The Ministry of Lava manages our national lava resources to ensure that we will always have a steady supply of lava to operate the nation's active volcanoes, which in turn power our cities and methamphetamine labs. As a matter of national security, we need to reduce our dependence on foreign lava which means an expansion of domestic lava drilling. As your chancellor, I will build lava wells all over the country, as well as secure access to more lava fields by invading Hawaii. Imagine orange gold spurting out from school playgrounds on the Great Plains and illuminating the Nebraska sky like fireworks on the 4th of July. Magma oozing over the rolling hills of Kentucky. Volcanic ash settling gently over homes in New England like fresh gray snow. If you want global lava markets to continue to be dominated by terriblest regimes like Iceland, Chile, and the Philippines, vote for my opponent, who sits in their back pocket as comfortably as Pahoehoe on the slopes of Kilauea. If you want the United States to stay competitive in the era of peak lava and beyond, then take a chance on the Chancellor. Are you looking for local handcrafted leather goods? Look no further than Skin on Skins, a local mission leather working shop. All original pieces handcrafted for you, jackets, belts, purses, jewelry, everything made out of leather. You need your bicycle seat fixed? You want it in cool leather? Under can do it. You have a motorcycle that you want to fit out with side bags and cool stuff? Talk to Under. Go to skinonskins.com. That's S-K-I-N-O-N-S-K-I-N-S.com. You just went to Folsom Street Fair and you don't have enough leather? Go see Under. Everything is handcrafted and understated quality. Fine leather handcrafted goods for all of your needs. He also does fixes. Maybe you love that jacket. He'll put the zipper back in. Talk to Under at SkinOnSkins.com at 20th and Mission. Check him out at SkinOnSkins.com. That song is called Acid and Fapping. What is flat black plastic? What could it be? 
It's exactly what you think it is. Flat, black, plastic, vinyl, records, round, played, mixed. All for you every Saturday from noon to two by Scotto Amazing artist, music DJ, vinyl enthusiast. That is flat black plastic. This is Tusha Matters with Mutiny Radio. Big up to the number one station, the ruling nation. Give it to me every time. Ah! My name is Breakfast, and I'm running for Chancellor of the United States of America. For too long, we have gone without a Chancellor who is willing to take bold leaps of faith and logic to create new possibilities for our great, big, fat nation. As your Chancellor, I will balance the budget on the head of a pin, give entertaining speeches, have scandalous affairs, write strongly worded letters to unpopular foreign leaders, look good on camera, end all hunger, crime, abuse, war, disease, disasters, sadness, depression, oppression, repression, suppression, transgression, obsession, expression, impression, regression, and digression by signing pieces of paper that express my disapproval of such things. And invest in an American flag pin to be worn prominently on my stylish jackets. It's time to work together to take the country back from us and return it to ourselves. It's time to turn this country around and drive it into opposing traffic. It's time to take a chance on the Chancellor. comedian Edna Mirarea, known for my sketch comedy show Edna in a Bottle. I also happen to be a monologue queen. Yes. So when I'm not joking about the state of humanity, I am telling stories, just like I do in my solo show Alters for My Alters, where all the characters in my head try to conquer me for stage time. That's right, you better put me on. Leave her alone. Where am I? It won Best of SF Fringe and it's broke-ass steward approved. And I'm screening my solo show on February 5th because it's my birthday. So we're having a drum and bass party afterward with DJ Flacco. Drum and bass. Get your tickets to my show Alters for my altars and the dance party afterward at Eventbrite. Just go to eventbrite.com and type in Edna Monologue Queen Turns 35. See you February 5th. All right. Uh, I don't think this mic is working. Is it? Oh. Well, it's all right. It hasn't started yet. Oh, I should start the off a day. Yeah, you have two minutes. I'll start your off a day. You still got two minutes. You're cool. This is easy. Good evening. This is the first time time I have spoken to you. For some reason, it's um. Some matter that I believe affected the national interest. 
in all the decisions I have made in my public life. Let me take an honest look out in all the closet crooks, tricky dicks with W. Bush, Reagan rocks that'll get you hooked. You think that line was for? You're not being in vain. This probably was about you. Best for y'all to realize we'd be just fine without you. Getting closer when I leave. Almost time was nice to me. Gotta fly away to see all the time and space can see. When I'm back, y'all gonna see my inauguration speech. White House bound, it's the place.